0: My name is Brian Lloyd. I am the movies editor of entertainment.ie. You are listening to the Revisit podcast. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Revisit Podcast As I said, my name is Brian Lloyd I am the Movies Editor at Entertainment.ie Today we are talking about The Killing of a Sacred Deer And my guest is Nessa Childers, M.E.P. So, The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Uh, this is probably the most recent film I think we have on the whole series of the Revisit. Uh, it was released in 2017. It was directed by Yorgos Lanthimos uh, from his screenplay and also from... I know, I'm going to try this now. Eftimus mm, et, et, Philip Howe and I am useless with Greek, so I apologise if anyone is from Greece or knows Greek and hears me saying that. Um, It stars Colin Farrell, Nicole Kidman, Barry Keoghan, Rafa Cassidy, Elise Silverstone, and Bill Camp. And again, I'm going to try this now. The story itself is based on the ancient Greek tragedy Athenia at Aulius by Euripides. And I did not do Greek or classics in college, so that's probably why I'm mangling it so bad. Um... What was really interesting about this choice by Nessa Childers uh, was the fact that, and I didn't realise this until I actually started talking to her, uh, Nessa Childers, as well as being a career politician and being uh, the MEP for Dublin Central, I want to say, she's also a psychologist and that's really her own kind of thinking on this. She really kind of brought her psychologist perspective to it. And yeah, it's funny, when I watched Killing of a Sacred Deer, I never thought about the psychology of it, because the way I always kind of assumed was was that it was a fairy tale. I mean, if you've never seen The Killing of a Sacred Deer, essentially what it's about is is, uh, Colin Farrell is this cardiac surgeon who has a sort of a very strange friendship, if you like, with this teenage boy that he treated. Uh, He's played by Barry Keoghan. Um, He introduces the child to his family because he's uh, Barry Yogan's character is sort of insistent on meeting them and then as he does meet them and he kind of forms uh, I guess you would say a bond with uh, the daughter uh, Kim played by Rafi Cassidy Um, again as, as it becomes a bit more creepy then he tries to bring Barry Yogan's character tries to bring Colin Farrell into his own family his mother is played by Elisa Silverstone he tries to set two of them up it doesn't really go that well and then it's revealed, and I, again, I would say, if you haven't seen Killing of his Sacred Deer, maybe just, I don't know, skip over this episode. But what then happens is, is that Barry Kogan reveals to Colin Farrell that he has now cursed Colin Farrell's family, and that they will all get sick, then die... Unless he kills one of his children, and the reason for this is, is that Barry Keoghan's character believes that Colin Farrell was responsible for his father dying on the operating table, um, and that's and that's that's the general plot of it. But the kind of the themes that it deals with and everything that kind of it goes through is about you know revenge, justice, uh, family, the idea of there being some sort of natural cosmic justice. All these things that happens, and then when it goes, when the when the kind of the curtain is revealed, and it turns out that you know uh, Conleth Farrell's children are going to die. At first, he doesn't believe it. He's just sort of like, oh, they're just you know putting this on. They're just being sick for the sake of it. But then, it actually turns out that they actually are actively getting worse and worse and worse to the point where they can't even walk and they have to move around their house in in wheelchairs. And it's a very, very disturbing film. I mean, if you look at the trailer for it, it looks like, almost like The Shining or something like that. There's this camera, there's this one shot of Colin Farrell walking through uh, a hotel corridor, or sorry, a hospital corridor, I should say. And the camera is right behind him. And I remember seeing it thinking, wow, that's exactly like something from The Shining. That's exactly like a Stanley Cooper kind of, kind of thing. Um. And just, the whole time through it, it, there's never a moment in it where you're thinking, oh, this is okay. It's not like that at all. Like The tension is so ramped up. You'd almost kind of nearly put it on a horror footing as opposed to a thriller. Because a thriller, you're expecting a payoff. You're expecting it to have some sort of conclusion. Whereas in a horror, it's just a case of building tension and tension and tension until there's an eventual release. And in The Killing of a Sacred Deer, there is that release at the very, very end. Um, Jorgos Lantimos, I mean, he's a brilliant director. He did uh, The Favourite, which was out this year. He also did uh, The Lobster, which was filmed around Ireland. And he's worked with Colin Farrell. He worked with Colin Farrell on, Colin, on uh, The Lobster as well. So he has that kind of relationship with him. Um, another part of The Killing of a Sacred Deer that I think is a little bit, I don't want to say off putting, but it's definitely something you wouldn't expect from it is how the characters actually speak to one another. And that's the thing that's in The Lobster, and it's the thing that's in The Killing of a Sacred Deer. And it's the thing that's in The Favourite, but I think when it's in The Favourite, it's kind of masked in the fact that it's a period film. But they all speak in a really kind of stilted, almost robotic way. And they kind of move in and out of their scenes in a very robotic way. And you're kind of watching it and you're thinking okay, is this a choice? Are they actually like this? What is this about? And like Yorgos like he's never really kind of explained it too well, or at least given it any kind of context. And when you're watching the film, it's amazing. After about like 10, 15 minutes, your brain just sort of accepts that, okay, they're kind of like robots. They kind of talk like this. Now, personally, my own reading of it was, was that, you know, there's so much in The Killing of a Sacred Deer that kind of focuses in on their wealth and their status and that it's all artificial so that their manner of speaking to one another is artificial as well. Now, that's just me kind of coming up with that idea and pulling them out of my arse. I don't know if that was the intent of it or not, but that's the way I kind of read it. Um, In terms of critical reception, I mean, it, did, it was received very, very well. I mean, I remember when I reviewed it for entertainment.ie, I think I gave it four or four and a half stars. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes has a rating of 80%. Um, and, you know, it—it it, it, it is a really, really strong film. It is one of these films that I think it kind of gets under your skin and it really kind of needles you in the back of the head. Like, it's the kind of thing that there are images in it and scenes from it that will stay with you for days and you'll be thinking about it. And that's really what I liked about it, was the fact that it is a film that really will stay with you. And I think that's probably why uh, Nessa Childers picked it, because it's the sort of film that... There is a lot to read from it and there are a lot of parts of it that speak to, you know, psychology and psychiatry and human relationships. Even if it is kind of wrapped up in a sort of fairy tale story, it's still very, very much about human reaction and human interaction. So, uh, yeah, so this is my chat with Nessa Childers MEP about the killing of a sacred deer. Nessa Childers MEP thank you for joining us do I call you Dr Nessa Childers or is No just
1: it, j- just Nessa Just Nessa
0: okay right or is it like your excellency i never know like is is there Your
1: excellency I don't know but see this is <laughs> it. like i have never had a politician sometimes in here Sometimes were called deputy but uh, that's that's in Europe and Ireland. but you know okay. MEP is 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 the sort of title but let's forget the Let's MEP. leave titles at the door then <laughs> yes, yes. all right
0: um you chose the killing of a sacred deer um, we were talking a little bit about this off air. Um, it's an absolutely fascinating film. It's a fascinating choice. Why? Let's. I suppose let's start at the beginning. Why choose this?
1: It came to mind immediately, so I wouldn't say it was a rational choice uh, or logical in (laughs) any way, which, of course, you know, many much good cinema has nothing to do with logic. It's surreal. I'm really, I suppose, my the first thing I am is a psychoanalyst. And this movie fascinated me. Uh, along those lines, yeah. just from its exploration of the surreal, which, of course, is the world that psychoanalysts live in every day. We, mm. we I transcribed people's dreams for 20 years. And when I actually had to start taking notes yeah. of things in the real, like legislation and yeah, yeah. all this, I found it very difficult uh, because my mind was not equipped to deal with, if you like, yeah, that yeah. type of thing. But the movie, you know, it isn't for everyone, no. this movie. It could actually, it is disturbing. Very. Um, but it's disturbing in a way that I found very interesting and is worth being up there with, uh, you know, movies that you never forget. Yeah.
0: I mean, like, it's it's a fascinating... Okay, right. The reason why I found it such a fascinating choice is because one, it's quite recent. And usually when you say pick any movie yeah, you want, yeah. people will think of something yeah. like I don't know, Once Upon a Time in America, yeah. or just something yeah. seminal. And not that not that this isn't will be seminal yeah. in the next twenty years or whatever. But um your background as a psychoanalyst. Talk to me about that. I mean, talk to me about how this film could be viewed from that perspective.
1: Well its it's it has to do with magic and magical thinking. And people looking at it will think it is it is kind of horrifying in many ways. But the insides of people's minds, if you like, if you listen to them simply trying to, if you like, Open the tapestry of their mind so you can see it when they talk about what they're thinking, when they talk about their dreams and the way they actually feel. People are not rational and logical. They are not unlike some of the things that happen in this movie. And by magical, I mean the idea of crime and punishment. Which, of course, uh, you know, as you said, is is it's in many themes of many fairy tales and in the Greek myth that supposedly this is like. But people really do it. This movie is about guilt, too. And people yeah. really do feel that they might be punished, even if they're atheists, yeah. by some third party for something they've done. And people that suffer from certain kinds of obsessional conditions, which have going back to freud we we know about they are particularly concerned that they're going to do something if they do something wrong that some terrible thing will happen and this movie really draws out the 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 irrational way people's minds work although of course it has to be said that not everyone will do something they won't necessarily kill somebody and it's about revenge too and fantasies of revenge Mm. i also found the pleasure of looking that really good acting is yeah. a particular thing in this. And Kogan is absolutely mesmerizing. I wondered where did he get that? Yeah. Where did it come from yeah. inside him? You know, because he's not, I don't know what age he is. He's You're young. Enough, yeah. like, he's But, but he it? is is apparently ordinary, and the menace that he begins to grasp was two really experienced yeah. performers like Kidman, who was Perfect for yeah. that part too, and Colin Farrell. He doesn't. He manages to keep that together yeah. with these two really experienced. Of course, one of them, I'm sure he knows Colin Farrell. They're both Irish. Yeah, and, yeah. So that was another reason it was pleasurable. Yeah,
0: yeah, I mean, like it's it's funny because it's it's. I've never seen a movie like it that can make something as benign as eating spaghetti look absolutely <laughs> <That's> horrifying. <laughs> like that scene where he's just yeah. shoving it into yeah. his mouth, and it's just that dead-eyed yeah. stare is incredible.
1: Um, and it's embarrassed. There's a kind of yeah. an embarrassment of with him. He breaks the boundaries of everything in some very subtle way. He won't leave them alone. You know, he won't. He keeps asking to meet uh, the, the, the doctor. doctor yeah, yeah. And you just think, oh, my God, it's yeah. a kind of embarrassing. You
0: know? It's it's funny as well, because like Jorgos Lantimos, like you look at any of his work and it's. A lot of a lot of the performances that he gets out of actors seem to be very mannered and very stilted mm. almost. And for I know for a lot of people watching the Lobster, you were mm-hmm. we were saying this, you weren't a fan of the yep, Lobster. Yep. But in this that that real mannered way in the which everyone delivers their lines is in itself unsettling.
1: Um, it is, and only really good performances. You can imagine the disaster. I think most people that play. Disordered people, in which everyone in this movie is, yeah. by the way, do it so badly that you're kind of thinking, oh, yeah, somebody has told you to play a psychopath and you, you'll you go for the old oh, swing. And offenses. I find that really the very few performances of something akin to psychopathy or sociopathy are in any way um, realistic. Uh, realistic. And they annoy me from that perspective. But this this guy, you know, Colin Farrell plays this part. I actually felt immediately, and this may not be intentional, that the whole family had some kind of Asperger's. Right, yeah. <laughs> this is where you see and I'm sure a lot of people like me would think that this, that's how you would sort of assume that this was what was happening. But, you know, you know it isn't just that they're clinically detached and yeah. cold they're really weird. Yeah. All of them, including the daughter. And the you, the first you really see of this of of this type of thing is when they're talking when Colin Farrell announces in public that his daughter is has begun menstruating as he put and at there's that point so much- then there's a sort of I'm sure everyone begins to think
0: what, the hell what is going, is going
1: on? on here? And the daughter herself behaves very strange in this Concrete way, there's an absence of symbolic function which is then acted out, you see, mm. in the violence in the film. But it is magical in the sense that maybe lots of people have these things inside. But I thought it was some kind of Asperger's,
0: yeah, certainly disordered. Do you think though that I mean, the I mean, obviously, we're you know, we're talking yeah. about this movie, so we can talk about yeah. the twist if yeah, you like. Yeah. Um, did do you feel that that detached it from the story in the sense of? when you bring in something like magic hmm. which is what this is essentially hmm. is do you feel that then lessens the impact of it
1: that's an interesting question i hadn't thought of it really i found the other movie the lobster more difficult to watch because it was almost too surreal for me right. it was in it was in an alternative a completely alternative it was almost like science fiction yeah, yeah, yeah. and there have been other science fiction movies this was set in Supposedly our in a time. Mac mansion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Somebody pointed out in our time, you know, and they live in this empty house. The house has no things in it mm. either. They live in this empty house. And I actually feel that the the, the violence and the magical bit that, uh, and then there's a hospital. Yeah. Um, actually, almost is made worse by the fact that it's in it's like something that lies underneath but it is supposedly in our world Mm. you know but not everybody would agree with that Yeah
0: (laughs) I think it's funny you mentioned there just about the house being a McMansion Mm. and how that in itself is Mm. so clinical Mm. and then of course we think of a hospital and that's very definitional of clinical and even their performances are clinical Mm. but then bringing in that layer of magic Mm. which we say, is just under the surface mm. and how that can disrupt that. Um, it's... Yeah, it's it, it's such a strange choice, but, I mean, can we talk about uh, Colin Farrell and how he kind of... That he's faced with this impossible choice, essentially, and there's no way anyone could make a rational decision about it. And then his decision at the end to go through with it, I mean... It, was he applying logic? Do you think? I mean,
1: um, he not even. I mean, I don't know what a sort of a a normal script would have been like yeah. at that point. But Colin Farrell was so far out of from the very beginning. I Remember, he was a drinker too, yeah. which kind of nearly didn't go along with his. I tried to fit that in. That was a bit of the jigsaw I couldn't fit in. You know why was. Why was he drinking? This was a bit that would interest me. But when he at the end, the violent scene at the end where he finally kills the sun with a blindfold yeah. on. Uh, there are probably Greek myths that talk about people like Oedipus with faces, them, yeah. But, you know, I felt that there was an inevitability. This is about fate. You see, now we're into the whole thing of myth again, mm-hmm. that the sun was destined to die. Yeah. Somebody was and in an exchange, it's a blood sacrifice. Yeah. And you get these in every culture. I mean, you get them in fairy tales. Mm. Uh you get them even in Star Trek. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, yeah. Where there is a sacrifice of some sort made. And it's and at that point you realise too there are kind of shocking bits around the end where you realise that Martin the boy is not an ordinary person. No. That he has almost godlike powers
0: and that scene with Nicole Kidman yeah. when she kisses his feet yeah. i think is very very indicative of that that's right and that
1: reminds me of the whole mary magdalene yeah. thing so you're hitting lots of different notes and that's risky for a director you're hitting cultural notes all over the place you know he is greek remember yeah. so this you know they they see things in a different way. And um, remember, I'm an MEP. I have every kind of nationality say, yeah, yeah. Um, around me. They see things in a different way. Perhaps their 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 dominant culture is based on Greek myths. But fair. The, the other interesting thing is this idea that supposedly Martin is an ordinary kid. You see this in in fairy tales and other kinds of. Uh, if you like stories, too, yeah. like Beauty and the Beast, let's take that. Where the bit that everyone misses is that the the it's the story begins when in well in some stories a basis of it, uh, an enchantress calls to the door disguised mm. as an old lady, yeah, and the prince just says, "Go, Go away." away yeah. This is a cautionary tale. You see in mm. many places that you know do on to others, etc. Don't don't kind of close the door on yeah. what appears to be an ordinary person yeah. because of course she turned the prince into a monster mm. and so these tales are everywhere you know, Parables I don't know parables I don't know what was in the mind of the director that this is what you don't know <laughs>
0: yeah I mean yeah, yeah, it's one of those things like when you think of somebody like I don't know like Stephen King for example and he's able to write these absolutely mm. horrific and horrifying mm. stories and you think did that just come from imagination or did that come from something underneath like? well, well yeah. and i know Steve, that's a stephen big link.
1: king often talks about uh, uh, about where it comes from you see now that you mention stephen king there the shining is what occurred to yeah. me when i watched this movie for people what some people they will see other films in it and yeah. I think directors are actually probably influenced even subconsciously but The Shining was a terrifying film and Jack Nicholson has the same banked rage as Colin Farrell who isn't who on the surface as a person isn't like the character that he first appears and he said it depressed him. Colin yeah. Farrell said it made him depressed. I wouldn't movie, believe that. Know? Um, You know, so you have him, you have him there with this kind of rage and the same with Jack Nicholson and The Shining and also the camera path yeah. behind like that kid doing on his little bike. Yeah, yeah, going yeah. Down. This and the setting of The Shining, of course, that huge... Hotel. Again, place. clinical. Uh, yeah. And it, it's it's kinda empty too, but it did remind me of the, which still frightens me that movie, The Shining. Why? Because the music this is of course the other thing, the yeah. music in The Shining is scary. Yeah. And in this movie, um
0: that droning in like, in <laughs> Yes, in,
1: in this movie, uh the Sacred Deer movie, it, it uses the strings, a kind yeah. of edgy type of screechy type of sound. And then it goes silent. Mm. And the use of silence is very important in real, if you like, art movies. Yeah. Sometimes there is no sound at all. But this screeching sound, you kind of know that all your worst <laughs> suspicions. It's coming, yeah, uh, yeah. That's right, you know. So The Shining has a different kind of music, but it's scary. It's a similar thing. like yeah. a
0: similar thing yeah. of, like, you know, using that very abrasive mm. sound to... Give an atmosphere of dread. And
1: there were other sort of, I found very scary bits, and I don't know why, where these kids develop this illness, you see, which, yeah. you know, if you were to look without the magic bit, mm. you know, you would say that it was a kind of a, a like in the 19th century, an hysterical disorder where people lost lost yeah. the use of their lip. But in this case, it's something that he's done. And how it is transmitted that the children, don't ask me. Yeah. And but but the bit that was very where they kinda of crawl around the house. Yeah, it's horrible. Where there's wheelchairs and everything. But they're like devolving into almost yeah. a sort of lizard like thing. But the children become frightening themselves because you see them literally pulling themselves along without yeah. the use of their legs, and, you know. And that was a spectacularly creative moment because you can see a wheelchair, yeah. In the and back, yet they're right? making
0: the choice not to, like that's right, yeah. yeah. And
1: wh- why are they doing that? Do they know? And she has an erotic tie with Martin too, which in the very last scene you're completely out of any reality because. You know, where are the police? Yeah. Why are they in a diner? You know, yeah. another symbol of America eating with ketchup everywhere. Yeah. And the boy has gone. Did he ever exist?
0: You this know, is it,
1: isn't, it? isn't it? Yeah,
0: I, I you know, like I, I loved it. I will say this. I absolutely love the film. I thought it was incredible. I thought it was so shocking. I thought it was so well done and so perfectly executed. But I remember walking out of it and thinking, there's no way, there's no fucking way I could recommend this to anybody because it's so visceral and it's so... I, I I, I, I would bet you could get 10 people to watch it. Six people would hate it. Two people would love it. And two people would think, yeah, I liked it, but I'm not 100% sure about it. Like, it's so... And,
1: and that, yeah, I, of course, am not recommending yeah. it, that someone I don't want to call someone to have a heart attack or an anxiety attack. Well, look, people want to... You know, if people want to, you know, be frightened, Mm. you're better off really knowing what, you know, you're better off not exposing yourself to schlock. Of course. Where you know the director, oh, yeah, something is going to jump out at us here. This is frightening in a different way and disturbing. And why do people go to these types of films? It's hard to know. I think it's a curiosity. You you know? Yeah. It's probably it's probably an interest in what does lie beneath and all psychoanalysts have that all of us do you know in in like what's really there you know otherwise no one would ever make or watch one of these films you know Mm.